Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, welcome one and all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. The midterm elections... What's today's day? Was it? The midterm elections are, what, five days away? That means only four days left to early vote, one day left to regular vote, then two whole years you just kick back and freak out about the presidential election. <laughs> Last night, President Biden addressed uh, Americans, not from the Oval Office, but someplace even more sacred to him, the train station. At Washington's Union Station, he laid out the stakes of this election. Make no mistake, democracy is in the ballot for all of us. In our bones, we know democracy is at risk. Biden's clearly at that age where he receives all his information via bones. (laughs) Up, there goes the elbow, there goes the elbow. It's gonna rain. Up, knees acting up again. Low voter turnout in Broward County. Biden did briefly briefly make one mistake about next Tuesday, November 8th's election. Millions more will cast their ballots in the final days leading up to November the 9th. 8th, excuse me. Yeah, make sure. Everybody. No, folks, I'm serious. Make sure you vote on November 9th. I mean, 8th. Head on down to your local pet and zoo. I mean, polling place. You'll get a free stalker. I mean, sticker. Anyway, happy Easter. I mean, Toyotathon. Biden is also Toyotathon. Can't be the impression. It can't be the impression. Biden also had strong words for the crop of election deniers running for office. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of elections that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. Path to chaos is like a slightly less urgent version of Highway to Hell. (laughs) It goes Highway to Hell, Path to Chaos, Trail to Confusion, 
dirt road to garbage fire, and cul-de-sac to what the <laughs> Biden, it's short. It's a cul-de-sac. Cul it's short. You go right in, you go. <laughs> Biden is also fighting for our democracy closer to home. Yesterday, he posted this video of taking his granddaughter, Natalie, to go vote for the first time, and then get a celebratory treat. Hey, I'm Natalie Biden, and I just turned 18, and I'm going to vote for the first time with my pop. I'm so excited for her. This is the first time, the first vote. And we got our triple thick black and white milkshakes to celebrate. Here's the voting. Cheers, pop. Classic Biden. Every moment ends with ice cream. <laughs> Anything good, go to the ice cream. Granddaughter votes, milkshake. Pass the infrastructure bill, Klondike bar. <laughs> Unifying NATO in opposition to Putin's invasion of Ukraine and cut off Russia from the international banking system? Peanut buster parfait. <laughs> there's a flow chart. There's a, fl there's a flow chart. <laughs> and when I saw President Pop reach out to the youngling vote with his granddaughter and then a milkshake, I vowed that I will not be out democracy by some president of the United States, if that is his real name. So tonight, I have an offer of my own to make the youths. Go vote, then post a TikTok of yourself with your I Voted sticker and a cool, tasty treat. I recommend Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream. <laughs> All my proceeds go to charity, okay? Then, tag us at, at Colbert Late Show, and I will follow you, assuming I learn how to do that. <laughs> See you on the TikTok. Biden's not wrong about democracy being under threat. For instance, in at least 19 states, canvassers supporting the defeated former president are going door to door to intimidate voters while hunting for fraud. That is wrong. If you're going to show up to my door and intimidate me, at least let me buy a few boxes of Thin Mints. <laughs> in, in one county, in one county in California, canvassers wore reflective orange vests and official-looking badges that read Voter Task Force. First, Herschel Walker... Now this, the GOP really has cornered the fake badge market. <laughs> and I should know because, and I've never revealed this before, I, Stephen Colbert, am officially part of the fake badge spotter task force. <laughs> All right? See that? See that? That right there. That right there. That is a real fake badge. So... What are these cosplay crossing guards up to at one house? They listed names of registered voters and demanded to know if they still lived at that address. And at another, they interrogated a couple about the whereabouts of their adult daughter. Hot tip. The good guys usually aren't the ones banging on your door screaming, bring out your daughter! <laughs> they also... They also grilled residents on their voting history. Not only is that awful... It's also definitely going to bite them in the butt. Because you know who answers doors for canvassers? People who hunger for human contact. <laughs> My voting history? Well, last year I didn't vote. What with all the dental surgery and, of course, Jack moving back in. That's my... <laughs> That's my son, Jack. He did an undergrad in botany. I said he should have gone to accounting, but he just doesn't listen to me. He just never, never... Oh, his girlfriend visits sometimes. It's a nice girl. She's a, she's a Spaniard, I think. It's, hold on. Honey, is Jack's girlfriend from Spain? Korea. She's Korean. Okay. 
Sings like a bird. <laughs> There's an update from Georgia GOP Senate candidate Herschel Walker, seen here counting to one. <laughs> Over the weekend. <laughs> Stay loose, baby. Stay loose. Everybody keep breathing. Over the weekend, Walker was criticized by President Obama, who said that being a good football player didn't mean Walker would naturally be a good senator. This did not sit well with Walker, who said this. I've created businesses. I sit on a public traded board. So those are things I've done outside of football. Yeah, he's a job creator in that he's very creative when he's making up his jobs. <laughs> I'm a hospital cop FBI party clown with a doctorate in karate law from Astronaut University. Walker went on to challenge Obama. My resume against his resume, I put it up any time of the day, and I think I've done well. Hmm. Bold. Hmm. Okay, let's put your resume up against his. Barack Obama was the first black president of the Harvard Law Review, a U.S. senator, president of the United States, won the Nobel Peace Prize, has an Emmy, two Grammys, three number one best-selling books, was voted Times Person of the Year twice, has a multi-million dollar Netflix deal, and killed Osama bin Laden. <laughs> not bad. That's not too shabby. Meanwhile, no, let's... Herschel Walker's resume says, good at football holds Georgia's single-season pregnancy record, and brain broke. Not everything. Hard to tell them apart. Not everything about this midterm election is the worst thing you've ever heard. There are some very normal ads out there, like this one from Democrat Susana Mendoza, who's running for Illinois Comptroller. Let's take a look. I'm Susanna Mendoza. I've worked hard to help people and fix our state's finances to get Illinois ready for its growth spurt. This tiny lady got rid of Illinois' huge backlog of unpaid bills. She delivers big. She's a firecracker. Yeah. She's a firecracker. That farmer's not afraid to give it to you straight and hard because, if you'll notice, his actual name is Dick Bigger Jr. That's right, he's a junior. <laughs> that means when he was born, Dick Bigger Sr. held that baby in his arms and he said, I'd like him to have this life too. <laughs> it's worth pointing out, the official name of the ad starring Dick Bigger Jr. is Growth Spurt. <laughs> I feel like Susana Mendoza is trying to bait me into talking about her ad. And let me just say, Ms. Mendoza, if the bait is Dick Bigger, I will bite. <laughs> because... <laughs> Peabody, please. <laughs> so sorry. I'm so sorry. After that ad aired and got some attention, Mendoza's campaign gave us what we all craved, more Dick Bigger. Here's his outtakes. This tiny lady... This tiny lady got rid... Re this tiny lady got rid of Illinois' big, huge... It's the Dick Bigger extended cut. Or uncut. We just don't know at this point. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Bono. 
Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. And we want to tell you about Calm the F*** Down, a guided meditation series from the Oversharing Podcast. This is something we've been planning for a long time. It's our most requested segment from the podcast. And these meditations are going to be between five and 10 minutes. They're going to be super quick because we don't have a lot of time. You're going to be so surprised how five to 10 minutes of really thoughtful meditations can transform your whole life. In addition to the first four meditations available at launch, we'll be doing two new meditations every single month. Plus, for the fans of Oversharing Podcast out there, you'll also get ad-free versions of every episode of the Oversharing Podcast. So if somebody wants to become a subscriber, how do they join? It's so easy. You just go to subscribe.betches.com and sign up now for only $4.99 a month. Or you can lock in our discounted rate if you sign up for the whole year. That's subscribe.betches.com. Or if you're in the Apple Podcast app, you can just hit the subscribe button now and sign up in the app. It's as easy as that. My guest tonight is, well, he's a rock star who has given his voice to you 2 and the fight for equality around the world. He's just written a new memoir, Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story. Please welcome to The Late Show, Bono. What if I said no? <laughs> we'll do it this way then. If <laughs> you want to do it. Have you ever done a stand-up interview? I've never actually done a stand-up interview. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. We're gonna do the interview standing up. Yeah. All right. So I'm Irish and I can do what I want. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, it's really, it's really lovely to meet you. I've never had you on the show before. It's also. Yeah. Also, my, my, such a pleasure to meet you, sir. It's, we, uh, I, I, the thing is that this isn't the first time we've been in a room together, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Rosemont Horizon, outside of Chicago, 1987, uh, Joshua Tree Tour. <laughs> I was there. I was the guy in the 25th row of the orchestra right before Sunday Bloody Sunday who went, woo! That was me. <laughs> I knew, me? I knew I'd meet you one day. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. You can sit down Thank now, you sir. very much. <laughs> You were in the 25th row. 25th row of the orchestra, baby. I had a lighter. Remember, I was the guy with the lighter. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
pretty fun night, I gotta Self say. Self-immolation. Goes yeah. very well, well with yeah. rock and roll. You set yourself on fire that night. Sure. <laughs> now, uh, good. I don't even know where to begin, man. I don't, I don't know where to start with a Bono. This is, it's too rich of a feast for me right now. So let's just start with a book. Dropped let's... on my head when I was a baby. Sure. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> All right. So here is the new book, Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story. Um, as everyone knows, you are the uh, lead singer of U2. There you are with the lads. Larry Mullen Jr. on drums, Adam Clayton bass, Bono on vocals, and The Edge. But what I want to talk to you about, and you get into it in the book, is take me back to London, uh, take me back to Dublin in the 70s. Talk to me about these guys. Talk to me about these fellas right here. Um, what was it like meeting these fellas for the first time? Clearly some... a, a potty mouth. Mm -hmm. um, the Edge bought a guitar the same shape as his head. Big brain, cut jaw. Larry Mullen, proper rock star from day one. What do you mean and by proper rock star? Well, he actually... he got a drum kit from his dad, Larry Mullen Sr by pretending he was interested in jazz. And because that's what the dad was going to, you know. Sure. And if you notice, Larry Mullen Jr. is not exactly a punk rock name. Yes. Much more jazz. Yes. So, uh, so but he, he's, he's a guy, he, he formed the band. And what, he, uh, he was band? 14 years old, put up the notice in Mount Temple Comprehensive, rock, rock, rock and roll high school. And, um, yeah, it, you know, I met all I met all four members of you two, and my present and only woman of my life, my, the love of my life, my wife. The same week, I went out the same week. That's a big week. Yeah, it was a big week. What week? What, 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 what week of the year? What month of the year are we talking? It was November when we finally. Um, you know, when I, I was at a bus stop wow. and, um, you know, the, the sky did not um, crack, but we attempted... Um... You're talking about your wife here? Yes. Okay, I wasn't... No. I mean, I'm also betrothed to Edge, Adam and Larry, but it's a, it's a different sure. kind of relationship. Yes. Yeah, but justice committed. But I'm happy point. to get into it uh, with you also. Well, I, I, I hope we will. Um, when, but first, I want to talk to you about... Um, can we talk about the hair for a second? Because yeah. this is the first uh, guy I saw. Oh, yeah. That is. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, when did this guy show up? Um... <clears throat> The mullet, I yes. think, is what you're referring to. The mullet, to. exactly, yes. Yes, in the decade Taste Forgot, and the 80s, uh, the mullet was a kind of a David Bowie lab experiment that went wrong. <laughs> we, we all thought we were going to get it like David Bowie. It didn't really look like that. And a man should really not look like his hair has been ironed, I don't think. Well, this um, was big. This spread uh, far and wide. My, my roommate in college, a guy named Eric Jones, he, he loved you so much. This is hair, his haircut that he got. Wow. Yeah. We listened to nothing but you 2 in my room. If I didn't like you 2 I would have had to have moved out of the room. Because that's all we listened to. I'd like to think we've moved into your room right now. I'm very happy about that. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. My, my, our, our youngest son, 
John, who's unfortunately for me six foot, has presently a mullet. Oh, really? And yes, we were getting on so well. But... Uh, <laughs> Is he a musician? Uh, no. Oh, um, he, he just wants a mullet. He, yeah, he just arrived in with a mullet, and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> the, there's, there's a lot of comeback of the mullet. The New York Times is saying there's a, there's a search for the best <laughs> mullet in America wow. right now. Los Angeles Times says the mullet is the haircut that refuses to die. <laughs> have, you, have you thought about growing it back? No, no, I... I, I, I it upsets me. Um... <laughs> It upsets you that you ever had one, like yeah. seeing you with a mullet? I've, 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 look, we're all dealing with shit, you know? And, uh... Mm-hmm. Dark chapters from our past. Can you imagine Live Aid, one of the most incredible moments of, of anyone's life, you know, as a concert um, by Famine, sure. organized by... Organized by my mate Bob Geldof and, you know, Queen and, mm -hmm. and just incredible artists, you know, mm -hmm. in Philadelphia and London and broadcast all over the world. And I see that back now, I just go, oh. <laughs> bad, so would you be, would bad you, would, hair day. I, would you be at all interested in seeing what it would look like to have it back? Because we have the digital technology to give you a mullet right here. In, uh, this, in this moment. We, <laughs> we were getting on so well. Yes. <laughs> Um, how are you going to do this? Just, you just kind of look over at that camera, and then this camera is going to put a mullet on your head. I look at this camera? You look at that, but then the, you, you look at that camera, but then this camera is going to put a mullet on you, okay? Jim, can we, can we mullet him? <laughs> wow. Can you zoom out a little bit? It's a little big. It's a little big. Can you look at me a little bit, Bono? Look at me just a little bit. That right there, that's perfect. That's it. Nice. Very, very hurtful. As you've got, an, you've got this tremendous stage presence, and it's very unique. Like, it's identifiable, you know, a, a Bono performance, not just the voice, but your physicality. Are there, were there people when you were younger, when, when this guy, this, you know, these, these young guys right here, was there somebody that this guy admired as a performer that you wanted to model yourself after the same way, like Mick Jagger modeled himself after, like, Tina Turner? Um, he did. He took well, his dancing from her. Well, that's interesting, because I... Uh, he had a female kind of um, muse in terms of as a performer, somebody I would really... who, who changed my view of, of, of performing, Patti Smith. Mm. Uh, great poet. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> and the, the thing that I really loved about her was that you felt with her there was no distance between her and her audience. We were in her audience. And that, you know, sometimes she would elbow her way through the crowd mm. and get up on stage or elbow her way out of the crowd. And I'm, I, I like performers who, you know, I s sense for them that they, they want to break down the fourth wall, the distance. They might follow you home. They might sit in your knee. <laughs> they might make you a cup of tea. They might mug you. They might make out with you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I just... But I, they're part of it. They're not just observers for you. Yeah, they're in it. Mark Rylance, a great actor. Mm -hmm. I saw him in Jerusalem, and I just, again, I just felt he could step right off the stage and into my life. And mm -hmm. so that's, for me, yeah, for performers who are nicely comfortable above everyone else um, was what we rebelled against mm -hmm. um, in the late 70s in what has become known as punk rock, though somebody did shout, at an early show of you two, more punk in the monkeys. Um, 
More punk in the monkeys? Meaning? More in you. You're the monkey? Well, there was... It happened before your time. I know, the monkeys. I mean, like, the monkeys? I mean, uh, Here the we come walking down, down the street. Get yeah, the honeyest looks from everyone we meet. Okay, yeah, you got sure, it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hair trigger. They're on a hair trigger right now. <laughs> but it was just a heckle. And so we weren't really convincing as a punk band because we were, we, were ch- we were children. But, but, but those values were and are still at the core of, 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 of who we are. What are those values? What, are the, what do you see those as those punk uh, values? Sort of punk rock promise. Yeah, what is it? Well, I think to understand that your audience are, that you, that you came out of the audience, that you were there, with them, for them, that you're not above them. It's a reciprocal emotional relationship. Yeah, and I would say also that we had in punk this idea that music can change the world and you can have fun. That was a a sort of feeling in in punk rock music. You know, it wasn't just, you know. And yeah, that the world is more malleable than you think. You know, you can bend it and shape it. It's not set. That idea, you know, three chords, you just you say your truth, you speak your truth, you spit it out. And I would say hip-hop it came in that same spirit, you know, um, with black music. But it's, you know, the, the only limit was your imagi- imagination, not your ability to play. Like, these are such extraordinary musicians. And, but we were not. I mean, The Edge was a genius. Larry could play drums. Adam was bluffing, um, <laughs> but he, but he looked great. Um, sure. But the yeah, these kind of punk rock promises. Um, I think we've tried to keep them. I, I, it probably doesn't look. I'd look. It doesn't look like that. But our bands, our crew, the community we've come from in Dublin and Ireland, we're still with these people. So we're still we're we're children of punk, Stephen. I read, I read in, uh, back in like 1984, 1985, I think it was in Cream magazine, they'd have these profiles of, of artists, bands, and it'd be like the same questions they ask every band. Mm-hmm. And, and, and band you'd like to be, or you wish you were, or something like that. I think y'all said the Beatles, or you might have said the Who. Could be the Who, could be the Beatles. I'll take either, mate. I, I think it might have been the Who, yeah. but then I looked up what the Who said, and the Who said the Beatles, uh-huh. and the Beatles said the Beach Boys, and the Beach Boys said Chuck Berry. So did you too want to be Chuck Berry <laughs> by the transitive property of rock? I hadn't you down as a mathematician, um, but I think there's an equation in there. Yeah. Is there like an early rock and roll influence? Do you, you like Elvis Presley? You, you, you... Yeah, big bang of pop music, of course. Sure, yeah. Do you ever sing his stuff? Like, do you ever? Uh, the first time my mother, only time my mother ever heard me singing was in our high school gym. And um, uh, it was the, um, that, uh, it was, it was an Elvis part in the musical Joseph and His it's Amazing... the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is yes. the Elvis part, yeah. Um, uh, Joseph and His Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, that's right. And you had to curl your lip, and it was, it was my mother's trouser suit. I was, I guess I was 14, and she put sort of, you know, diamante shit on it. And 
And I had to go, I was wandering along on the banks of the river, you know. And, you know, I, could, I actually could quite pull it off. I felt a bit of the flash <laughs> coming. <laughs> and I was, ooh, this crown. Ooh, I like this crown. And she just laughed and laughed and laughed. And, and that was, yeah, that was the only time she, she, she saw me. So, yeah, I feel close to the king. What about yourself? Oh, I, I love him. I grew up with him all throughout that. Wise men say only fools, only rush, fools in, rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. What? Well, I don't. What I can't just figure out is how a truck driver from Memphis. 16 years old, was wearing eyeshadow, was wearing those zoot suits, you know, and those, you know... Uh, Pointy shoes. Blue suede shoes, I yeah. guess. But, you know, just think about that, you know, 15 or 16 in Memphis. I mean, even that, in New York, you get a few looks. Mm -hmm. And he's got that. And I think, I think there was a revolution going on there, not just in music, but just in the way of thinking and you know, what he did for kind of a femininity that he owned up to as well as a masculinity. Mm. And yeah, I don't think we fully understand um, Elvis even now. I think he's still, still going on. And I love, you know, I know the early period of Elvis is the one that people revere, you know, mm. when he looked like Rudolph Valentino and sang mm. like Dean Martin, but Love Me Tender and all that. But actually, it's the end of his life when he got lost that he became more than even a rock and roll singer. I think he became like an opera. And him singing, what is it? The you, Wonder of You. Well, the American trilogy, I was thinking, the sure. sort of glory, glory, Battle hallelujah, is truth. And he's sweating and he's forgetting some of the words. And his, I just see him as a, just an epic American story and his vulnerability in the end was what made him great though I, I remember saying this to Chuck D from Public Enemy and he said his line was Elvis don't mean to me and I guess you know it's a very particular um, love but when you have it you, you you'll never be you'll never be released from it so if you've got it you you'll have it bad I'm sure well, speaking of people that you love and you never stop loving, did you, uh, did you see the, the Peter Jackson Get Back oh, documentary? And yeah, the Beatles. The reason, I, the reason I ask is not just the Beatles, because, of course, the Beatles. But what I love is hearing how artists and great artists go through their process of there's nothing and suddenly there is something. Something oh, yeah. substantial and beautiful and that is like a magic wand and moves people, gets into their heart from a distance. And I'm curious, when you look at that, what, what, what is your process like, I guess, is what I'm asking, because that process oh, yeah. was so fascinating to me. And did you recognize anything in their process in the way that you and the, your friends here in the band create songs? Uh, I, was, I was riveted. I mean, first of all, who knew that the Beatles had created reality TV? I was like, wow. They had right. microphones in the flower pots. And, right. and then I also felt so privileged because it was like being there when Jesus wrote, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. And, the, mm -hmm. it's the, you know, the, and Jesus had a roadie, he'd be like, blessed are the, <laughs> blessed are the, me, geek, no, meek, meek. 
<laughs> I mean, you're hearing them write these songs. Sure, sure, sure. And they're going, what is it, you know? Yes. It's like, hey, George, no, Jude, or yes. whatever, you know? So you're yelling, Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Um, improvisation's at the heart of what U2 does, even though there's a formal songwriting that we do. Mm. Edge and myself really do that. But for Larry and Adam, their contribution in the songwriting is often through improvisation. And improvisation started very early for me. I can remember as a child, couldn't play. I remember my head being up to the piano keys. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't see. I remember putting my foot on the reverb pedal, pressing, you know, finding a note, and then finding another one that would sound good with that note. And that's improvisation. It's faith, actually. You're jumping from one place to another. You don't know how you're going to get there. And in music, that's how... You know, that's how we live, you know, you're finding those notes. I've never sung, you know, these songs um, the way I'm singing them now. I, I've, never, I've never sung them before. Every night it's, it's different for me. But there's also improvisation in just the way you deal with your situation. I, um, I was writing in, the, in, in, in my book about um, being... No, I was writing in my book about... <laughs> Um, thank you. And we, when we were kids, looking very much like that photograph, we had a big TV producer, Big Cheese, was coming to our high school because he'd heard we wrote our own songs. And it was a big break. We were going to get our break and get on the national telly. And, um, you know, we were arguing about how the song was going. It was really not going anywhere, all this. None of the songs. We couldn't agree on anything. There's a knock on the door like that. And we're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How do we, what do we say? What do we do? What are you doing? He's, and he walks in and he's, so you write your own songs. How old are you? What, 15, 16 years old? Yeah, 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 we write our own songs. Could you play me one? Now, improvisation led Edge to look at me like that. And I looked at him like that, Adam and Larry. And we played the Ramones, Glad to See You Go, and said it was ours. <laughs> That's improvisation, too. And Geniuses steal. Everyone yeah. borrows geniuses steal. Yeah. I, I wanna, we changed it around when we got on. The, we actually did get the, the, the appearance on TV, and then we changed it to one of our songs. Just so you know. You write beautifully about your, your parents in here. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to your mother. You said there's only one time she saw you perform. Mm -hmm. She passed when you were 14, yeah. I believe. What now, with the perspective of your age, because it takes a long time to absorb the death of a parent and understand what that, what that meant to you, I think. What did, what did your mother mean to you, and what did her passing mean to you, and I suppose affect your art or add to your art? Well, you're asking about kind of performers I'm attracted to. Um, I think, I'm not saying I'm a great performer, but great performers really need their audience. I need the U2 audience. And I think they feel that. They know that. And, um, and that can sound vomit-inducing, by the way. You know, I we love you. You're amazing. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying something deeper than that, is the desire to have that hole filled that's left when 
I lost my mother is what brought me there to music. And it, that wound sort of was an opening in a way. It opened me up, not just to music, but that I, that I, I to, to being a performer. And I, you know, it's, it's an easy, I'm an easy study. You know, it's quite obvious that I filled that hole, you know, with, with everyone here and, and uh, you know, every night you two goes, goes on stage. But there's, I think there's another layer of this, which is contemplating, um, you're forced to contemplate a concept that a 14-year-old finds very hard to contemplate. The, you know, the concept of infinity. You know, is there such a thing? Is there an eternal spirit? What, where, 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 where has my mother gone? Where am I going? And so, um, great fun stuff like that. Um, no, but no, these but are the things, you know, that get you there and you ask these questions. And our, our, our band, somebody said, you know, say Van Morrison started off writing songs about girls and ended up years later writing about God. Mm -hmm. With us, we sort of started with God and we're just getting to girls now. <laughs> But it's, you know, we ask those big questions in our sisters. It's the opera in us, too. I have a question about Van Morrison that we can cut out. I'm just curious since I got you here. I've always thought the song Domino is about God. Oh. Do you think that? Yeah. Don't I want do to discuss think it? Think it's time for change? You may get yeah. disgusted, start thinking that I'm strange. In that yeah. case, I'll go underground and get some heavy rest. Never have to worry about what is worse, what is best. Oh, Domino, oh, Lord, yeah. roll me over now, Romeo, the great lover. Yes. That's what I've always thought I that is. I think you're right. And, you know, when I hear him sing, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like the angels singing for me, mm -hmm. for Irish people in particular. Mm -hmm. Van Morrison means so much to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meeting him, you know, it's like, you know, he can be in strange form. He, he said of me, he knew I was his absolute, you know, a disciple. He said, you'll be great when you're finished. <laughs> What do you think he meant by that? You'll get there one day, <laughs> you know. But right before the end? Yeah. Do you I, think you're there I, yet? I, I'll Are you there I'll yet? I'll tell you a story. You cannot put it on the air, but just it's so funny. You, you, so this just, just for a second. Rolling. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're going to cut this okay, out. So Van Morrison, it's like meeting, you know, God for me. And with my family, we go backstage. We're in Nice at the jazz festival. And... Van Morrison says to me, I want to do Gloria. So Gloria is one of the greatest songs ever written, mm -hmm. right? It's like your dad saying, do you want to take the car out? Sure, sure. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and um, so we go on stage and I know, and he, he's in amazing form. He sings seven new songs that no one's ever heard. Every, mm -hmm. The crowd are going with it. And then he, something puts him off. I don't know what, he just... You know, it can happen to us all. The wine turns to vinegar. Anyway, whatever happened, I knew, be careful. You know, I'm going to sing this. Don't want to screw this up. So, but after an hour, no matter who you are, Van Morrison, people, the crowd love, a, a, you know, something, a guest comes on stage. Yeah. So he goes, right, Bono, it's on stage. And um, so I walk out on stage in Nice, which I love Nice, and they love you too. So the crowd goes off, and I'm singing, G, L, and the crowd, oh, whoa, 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 boom. Found the man's gone. <laughs> He's gone. He left. 
He just walked out. And I'm like, let's close this show. <laughs> so he closed the show. But I don't think he can use that. But uh, does he suit? He's not litigious, is he? No, what? he's no. a great man. No, 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 no. I'm sure he doesn't. Neither is Disney. Now. Oh. Okay. I can feel you... some personal hurt there. What? Nothing. Show business, baby. Okay. It's all show business. Okay. We all love each other. Mm. Now, midterms are next week in, in the States here. And uh, our country's casting a vote ab about its future, a very kind of interesting one now because of what's going on with our approach or our view of democracy right. and the validity of our elections. You're a longtime lover of the U.S., and you say in the book, you call America perhaps the greatest song the world has not yet heard. Uh, what do you mean, and what's that song sound like to you? Well, what I mean is, and I think I'm really encouraged by this idea that America doesn't yet exist. It's the greatest idea the world has ever had, but I don't think it's here yet. And that's an amazing feeling that it's just being written and far from recorded. And, you know, the people in this, you know, this generation, the people in this room can write what America is. And, you know, some people look back and think that America has had its heyday. No, it's, it's all coming for you. This is, you're just, you're just being created. And think about it, you know, if you're not a native um, American, there's no DNA test that can tell you you're an American. I mean, if you do a DNA test here, anyone here, you'll be one part Polish, one part, you know, whatever. You know, one part Czech, one part Egyptian, we know. But there's no DNA test will tell you you're American, unless you're a native. And that's kind of, that's who you are. It's, if you're not, the American, the American is just being created. And I'm excited by that. Are you and saying that you'll be good when you're finished? Is that what you're saying to America? Yes. <clears throat> and there's, I just, I, what I do want to say is I've been everywhere in this country, even in my imagination. You know, I've been to Bozio, Idaho. I've been everywhere, but the band has brought me everywhere. And there is no, nowhere in this country that I would want to fly over. I'm interested in all the Americans uh, that I've met. I've, I've met a lot. And I'm friends and communi in community with conservatives. And um, as a sort of, you know, bleeding heart liberal that I am, I enjoy those conversations. I enjoy those, those arguments. It's just essential that they stay as arguments and not um, the kind of brutality that we've witnessed in the last week with um, Paul Pelosi um, and Nancy Pelosi, because... And it was even the hammer, I just... It's just... It was a hammer. You know, this blunt instrument. It's, it's an image I can't get out of my head. And, you know, I just feel that all of us are better than any of us. And, you know, the one campaign we work with, our, our, um, our idea is that you don't have to agree with um, somebody on everything if the one thing you care about is important enough. And so, you know, I just, I just think we need to listen to each other more. And, you know, I'm a big talker. That doesn't come easy for me, listening. 
I think we need to listen to each other more and try to understand what's going on. But yeah, America's on its way. And, and I'm, I'm just so excited to see how, you know, where you take it. And this is difficult times. But, you know, in these you know, trying times, these anxious times, you know, you always choose, you always find a leadership to match the moment. You, you know, if, you, if you go back to the war and Truman or before the Second World War, you think of FDR, or you, you think of, I think of Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. And, um, and I, just think, I just think America will find that leadership. And if you don't like what's going on in the capital and, um, you know, local communities, you'll find in, that leaders will arrive in local communities. I would never underestimate, you know, small town America. And, um, yeah, and I, I, there's no such, this idea of flyover country makes, makes me, makes me wretch. I love, I love actual America. I agree. And actual Americans. Mm. I toured for many years. There's no town that I didn't find fascinating. Is that right? Where, yeah. what, as, a, as, a, as a comedian, I toured all over See, the United States. See, that's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. On a, a van, bus. a van with yeah, a bunch yeah. of... Yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. There was no town. There was one town. <laughs> <laughs> they stole my riding partner's clothes. That was the one town <laughs> from the laundromat. That was the one town that we left with a bad taste in our mouth. Every <laughs> other town was just fantastic. <laughs> I'm not going to say where that was. But where was that? <laughs> what? It wasn't Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska is a great town. I had a girlfriend from there. I had an amazing moment in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, um, we did an AIDS um, speaking, working, it's called the Heart of America tour. Because, you know, if you're an American, you're an AIDS activist. I don't know if you know that. It's an amazing thing because your country really leads the world fighting HIV AIDS. And a, a, a con yeah, conservative president, President Bush kicked that off. Then mm -hmm. President Obama followed through on it, and mm -hmm. right through to Biden, and I skipped that bit. Um, <laughs> but One of the greatest things Bush did. It's, it's an extraordinary thing. And in, uh, on this tour, mm -hmm. on a van and a bus, actually, mm -hmm. um, this guy walks in, um, and he's introduced to us as the richest man in America. His name is Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. and, and he's, oh, hi, wow. Uh, and I asked him, he's known as the Oracle of Omaha, you know? And I asked him, have you any advice? And he said, uh, two things. Um, uh, what are you asking people to do? And I said, well, you know, they write their congressmen, you know, on these postcards and mm -hmm. send it to him. It's too easy. People don't trust you if you ask them to do things too easy. Ask them to do 10 postcards each. I said, well, this is good. What else? He said, don't appeal to the conscience of America. Appeal to the greatness of America, and you'll get the job done. And I believe oh, that's that. Beautiful. That's I really believe that, because, yeah. you know, with Irish people, you can guilt us into <laughs> with uh, <laughs> other people. But in America, if you're really stuck, like, say, we were in the Second World War, Americans show up. You're the cavalry. We love that about you. <clears throat> The book is Surrender, and, and there, there's, there's one thing in the book I'd like to return to before we go here. And you, you did something that was very generous. You actually, um, you apologize 
in this oh, book. Right. You apologize for putting U2's 2014 album, Songs of Innocence, onto every iPhone in the world without our permission. And you say, you say unequivocally, this was my fault, my idea, Apple questioned it. I said, no, it's going to be great. The band didn't want it. I wanted to do it. I was wrong. That's very fulsome of you. And now I understand in your next book, you have other things to apologize for. And we have a list of them right here. <laughs> is this true, Bono? You, did you know that Edge was from the future? He is? Yeah, he says it's better. Oh, yeah. So, so go ahead. Here we are. This is a, a little something. Here okay. they are right there. What also, do I do? They're also going to be in these cameras right here. Okay. This is something uh, we like to call apologies to look forward to in Bono's next book. Take it away. Okay. Start right over there. I'd uh, like to apologize for wearing sunglasses. You see, when I take them off, I, I, I shoot lasers out of my eyes <laughs> like Cyclops from the X-Men. Um, our 2004 album, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, does not actually contain instructions <laughs> as to how to dismantle an atomic bomb. Just, just 11 really great songs. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, because after we released The Unforgettable Fire, I, I totally forgot about the fire. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, during the encore, I said, uh, to 30,000 applauding fans. I can't hear you, Minneapolis. I lied. <laughs> I could hear them fine. Oh. I could hear them fine. Yeah. Um, to, to my bandmates, Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr., I'm sorry you're stuck working with guys who call themselves Bono and The Edge. <laughs> I didn't realize we could just use our real names. <laughs> Bono, everybody. Beautiful. Thank you. The book is Surrender. The man is Bono. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 